0: For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations.
1: Well, good morning to you, Bob Bajan. Good morning, Rude. Welcome to the uh, Design to Change podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Uh, You were on our wish list for a long time, and we managed to secure your busy agenda to join us. It's a great pleasure to be here. It's fun. Thank you um bob you're the corporate vp vice president of global events production studios and marketing communications at microsoft yes that that's is no small job. task
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah it's a big job but uh it's it's very it's i do say all the time it's the best job i've ever had and i'm a pretty old guy to be saying that so kind of cool
1: I'm 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 sure with all of those responsibilities and everything that goes along with it. I th- I'm sure people may have seen you in other podcasts or maybe at live events. Um, very often, you're also the one that's enabling the team to deliver all of these events because you always uh, uh, celebrate your team, which uh, I think is is a is really what the events industry is all about, right? Absolutely, um,
2: <laughs> team sport for sure. Absolutely
1: um bob i want to ask you a question which is the opening page on the design to change book um a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever would you leave it to chance
2: no way can't i mean I, <laughs> you know making events in in corporate in the world is a uh, incredibly highly orchestrated thing you know you have to I I think that it's like every step of it is really choreographed. You know, I mean, I think great event makers, great makers really are thinking about that all the time. Total awareness of everything that's going on. Every piece of it matters.
1: Well, thank God we have prefrontal cortexes and can, as a team, figure out what might happen next, right? If conversations (laughs) are happening in real time. Um, Now, you have um, a vast experience. Can you tell us a little bit about your department or how you function within Microsoft, just for those that are new to to that orientation. I'm sure everybody's come across Microsoft. But what is your role and function within that?
2: Yeah. so it's it's really it's quite unique, actually, I think. um in the sense that um our chief marketing officer, my 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 direct manager, Chris Capicella, has really refined his thinking in terms of the way we market inside this technology, this engineering company. And so kind of the way it works is is that, There are product marketing organizations attached to each of the product groups working hand-in-hand with engineering. But then there are these things that he refers to as marketing engines, and there are really three of them. One is advertising and brand. The second one is communications and PR. And then the third one is this experiential marketing engine that we have uh, that really is my area of responsibility. And what's wild about it it, here at Microsoft is, is not only do we have this department that has you know, 100 professionals working with about another five to 600 long-term contract professionals building, making events around the world. But we also have at our disposal this incredible facility that is, you know, our studios, um, Microsoft Production Studios, which is really five sound stages, two full-blown recording studios. I mean, you can really do anything there. Um, And the investment that the company's made in terms of enabling that, you know, and, You know, we produce about 1500 hours of television programming a month out of that studio space. Um, And so the combination of that, coupled with our kind of showmaking capability, really kind of put us in the position of being kind of almost like a a full service agency inside the company, servicing both the field, all of our, you know, kind of 50,000 people that are in our global sales force, as well as, all of kind of the senior executives and product groups that operate here at headquarters in Redmond.
1: Well, that's no no small uh, task. Um,
2: that's
0: fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> making a making an appointment with Bob is, is 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 actually fairly easy. I don't know how he's very accessible like this, but um I think people that are well organized but also people that are structured in the way that you're structured in an engineering company, um you would typically expect um Let's say the problem solution fit to always be at the front center of what people do right For um sure. this begs the question uh, i'm looking out here onto a little mountain in switzerland we were just talking about skiing in verbier um what is currently on your horizon of change when you're looking at the horizon
2: you know it's enormous it, you know you think that we're as the world comes out of the pandemic or at least hopefully is coming out of the pandemic you would think things would be getting easier after 3 years of just kind of wild innovation and just uh-huh. reinvention constantly but what's happening at least for us is that the reintroduction of in-person experiences without losing the scale and the efficacy that uh-huh. we experienced and really discovered through the pandemic uh-huh. is a very difficult design problem <laughs> you know because you know you think on paper that you should be able to do it and of course interactivity and connection Is the key to it. But taking that hypothesis and making it a reality um, and really understand, and then trying to change human behavior, even as humans are being triggered by all of these kind of inputs that are going just go back to the way it was, and people kind of wanting to go back to the way it was, because generally humans don't like to change, um, you know, that it creates a lot of challenges. We've done one big global execution have well, two big global executions where we've combined in person and digital um and we've just been you know we're we're making a ton of mistakes you know we're just doing a lot of stuff wrong and and i think learning a ton and responding to that but yeah. uh, we have a show coming up in 12 weeks a developer conference so the in the near you know the near future horizon we're focused on that show because it really we're excited because we think it's really, we're making some major steps forward in the way those two audiences work and live together and interact. Um, and then I think in the longer term, you know, the next two to four years is really this idea of the, uh, developing further this notion of a digital core that gets delivered globally, and then activating in these regional activations to bring the best of in-person to life Hmm. At a scale that's manageable, because I think what we've grown past, at least at Microsoft, at least for now, because all of these things can change. but But, I think we've grown past this idea of just bringing tens of thousands of people together in a single city because the experience is so bad. You know, and even and and you know all you need to get all that magic of human interconnection in person is maybe a couple thousand people, really, to effectively kind yeah. of create that sense of scale and, you know, excitement and energy. Yeah. And so I think this, this notion of kind of combining a digital core with regional execution, um, I, I, that is occupying an enormous amount of our time. About what does that mean? How does it, you know, what, what's possible, you know, and how do you really follow the sun in an effective way? And what do you ask of, what do you ask, of, you know, if you think about the star players of any given experience in our world, our senior executives, yeah. It's like, what do you ask the talent to do in a in a show that really is existing in the world o- over a 24 or 48 or 72 hour cycle? You know, yeah. are you really asking an executive to say, hey, for those two days, I want you to get up at six in the morning and then go to bed and get up at three in the morning and then, you know, go to bed. Are you really doing? That? And I think we are. I mean, I think that is what's happening. But, yeah. you know, that's a very, it's a very different conversation. Very demanding, right? the CEO. <laughs> Yeah. When when, so when you're saying, Yeah, you're gonna get up at two and you're gonna join a you know, Singapore meeting. Exactly.
1: Look the same the way you looked last night at eight o'clock or this afternoon exactly at that. two, right? Yeah. Precisely. Yeah, it's almost like we're asking inhumane time time commitments or or like circadian rhythm commitments from the wake and sleep of of the talent, right? You're saying the talent is one of such of such a core kind of like a component to that digital core. I like how you say that you have a digital core, that you've got the regional activations. Um I'm, I'm also a firm believer, like what, what, what you're saying where, you know, big, bigger, biggest events, unless they are sporting events like the Super Bowl show or things that have recently taken place in you know, the last weekend. Uh But also there, there's kind of a, a Dunbar number whereby it becomes unmanageable, right? Or where it becomes um untenable almost to like expect a city to absorb that kind of lift or 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 to have you know the capacity at the right structure or to even scale a team for a couple of days in that way is just it's not a very sustainable way of doing things no,
2: and I also think, and I also think, look, there's a day of reckoning that's coming in our business, right, around mm-hmm. our contribution to the unsustainability of the way we operate yeah. in the world today, right? And yeah. you know, all you have to do is walk behind any kind of convention center after a show is over and see what we leave behind when we leave these shows. You know, it's just it, you know, yeah, it's just hard to take anymore. And I think yeah. I, I, that's the other part that I think is gives at least me personally, it gives me optimism about where we're going directionally. Yeah. Because not only does it serve the business well, because it's a great, of course, showcase for our technologies. yeah. But but I think it also makes this really significant contribution to, you know, kind of the sustainable footprint of, of humankind, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: So um, in these exciting shifting times, when you're working with the star talents, like you're saying, one of the works that happens before they are the star talents is the conversation between the event owner, the one that owns the business challenge, right? You were talking about your chief marketing officer um, has a very specific view as to how those product market combinations actually go and are activated in those three branches. Um, When you, I'd like to zoom into those conversations a little bit because one of the things that a lot of people that listen to our podcast find is that uh, they might be proficient event designers or they're learning how to be that as a team, which is great, but very often they struggle uh, when it comes down to that initial conversation with the event owner, that has had that light bulb moment and goes, "Oh, we should do an event, right?" Or they, they have that epiphany or that 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 very clear articulated space in their head in which they say, "We should do an event, or we should do that type of event." And I'd like to zoom into the conversation that then happens between that, you know, in the future might be a star executive, or there might be. Mm-hmm you know a back curtain role who knows um and and you as a as a responsible for a team of you're mentioning you know 100 people on your team and vendors are multiples of that um you trickle down an initial idea and you have to formulate it into something that's deliverable at the end of the day within a certain time scale um I'd like to zoom into those conversations a bit if we if 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 we could ask you how you do that right because I'm sure um people are keen to hear the answers <laughs> to the questions that i'm going to be asking you right now
2: <laughs> right sure i mean look i i think i will tell you that we run this group yeah. like an agency we really do and and so in that way i think about you know what what makes a great what makes a great agency right not just somebody that does the you know does the jobs for you but really becomes a strategic partner it's all about that conversation right and it's not just about the questions anymore right i think people confuse kind of consultative selling or consultative engagement with just asking a lot of questions right and i think those days are over you can't yeah. you really you you have to show up at meetings now and in the first 2 or 3 minutes deliver value or you're going to get dismissed right i mean and that's just a fact and so what it means is is that those days of going down and sitting with the business owner and going, okay, well, what do you want to, what are you trying to do? You know, you've got to come with the homework done and an understanding and at least a a superficial, right. You know, in that case, like we're all performers at some level, you've got to at least make people believe that you care about the thing, the business they're running, the product they're launching, the thing they're doing. And so Mm -hmm. I think what we've worked really hard to do is say, hey, if you're an executive producer on this team, you got to know the brand you're working on. You have to know the product. You have to embrace, you have to have enthusiasm about that and and engage with your business owner, at at least aspirationally at a peer level so that they look at you as a member of the team. I mean, because that's job one, right? To get to the table. And I think we talk a lot about that, about it's going, hey, have you done enough? Put yourself at the table and add value, not just go, hey, I know how to set projectors up and that kind of thing. And so I think that, coupled with again a, a pretty structured process, right? Engagement, you know, this, you know, writing a creative brief and using that document as the collaboration tool to get to agreement of of, some, of what you're going to make, you know, and you know, so often in corporate kind of communications and showmaking, you never get there. Like that was one of the things. Like in my, I spent a lot of time doing this either as a performer way back in the day or, you know, creative director, writer, all those roles. And it's amazing how many times people start making shows or events in the corporate world or the commercial world without a script, you know, without a brief, right? You know, you kind of go, you never start a film without a a script. You never start rehearsing a play without a script. And it's just, so this idea of creating these simple set of things that seem remarkably simple and in fact are, right? Really just conversation facilitators but being religiously disciplined about being consistent right and i think yeah. this is the thing this is the part that's hard consistency right and 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 and, and the discipline of delivering each of the steps every time right yeah. Yeah. and i and i think that's what makes the difference between you know kind of good to great certainly yeah. and then really truly memorable and effective events that drive growth that drive brand love that drive the things that matter and the things that you know, the event, kind of the experiential engine as a marketing tool, can really drive effectively, and like no other part of the marketing, you know, kind of portfolio.
1: Yeah. Have there been times? Um, well, let me pose as a question. So, how do you involve others in the change you designed for? So, let's let's pretend that you got you you got the um, from the brief conversation with the event owner. You within the two three minutes you got them there right yeah but how do you then involve others in the change that you then design for how do you do yeah. that
2: well so the, so the the saying i use all the time is modern leadership is repeating yourself with a good attitude <laughs> and um
1: <laughs> so modern leadership is repeating yourself with a, with possi- a good attitude with a good attitude <laughs> right
2: and yeah. and i mean like i cannot tell you how true that is Because, it, you know, and people don't really believe it until they really get understand that that's what it actually takes to drive change in an organization. And, And you think about it, though, you know, if you play athletics or anything like that, or if you did dance, if you as a kid or anything that required a physical skill associated with, you know, the learning of something, and you think about the teacher or the coach that did that for you think about how many times, like I was an age group swimmer, and I think about how many times my coach said to me, you got to keep your elbows up. You got to keep, your, like, that must have been said to me, th- tens of thousands. You still of it. know it. <laughs> right. And and still, but, the, but you know, on the 9,000 know, time, I'm still dropping my elbows. Like, what's the deal, right? You, you think you've learned it. So I mean, I think that's what I think about when I think about change. And I actually, it's what I think about when I'm starting to lose my temper inside myself about Mm. being frustrated at having to repeat myself so often. But it's like, that's, that's what it takes. And that, I think, is the correlation between, you know, when you think about it, the tools of great design thinking, the tools of great production, at least in my opinion, they really are very simple, right? Not rocket science. I think you were saying as we were in the pre-brief when we were talking yeah. about it before we went on. It's not. But the thing that is so difficult that is rocket science is the kind of the, being consistent with those tools, being disciplined about using them and, and really deeply understanding that these are life pursuits. Like these simple, th- writing a great brief is, it, it, I'll pursue greatness in writing a great brief for the rest of my life, right? For as long as I'm going to be working. these things you know you can only get better you know the road to mastery is never ending right you just have to keep going
1: yeah yeah i love that and i think one of the things that we've seen um is if you enable teams to write narratives together from the different stakeholder perspectives and you do it systematically it makes it much easier to crack the the script writing process, right? The script writing more in terms of like, you know, taking that initial unfermented idea into a space of trust and then breaking it down into a much more linear process, super disciplined, super consistent, uh, radically uh, straight-lined at first (laughs) before you diverge into, you know, rapid prototyping. Once you've really locked in the problem really hard with your design frame uh, can be super effective to get teams to be consistent. Right. Cons- consistency for some people sounds like boredom, right? Um, but I remember <laughs> my first marketing director telling me, marketing is 20% creativity and 80% consistency, right? 80% discipline. Now he was German um, and he was he was very disciplined, but he was also very successful because that's what it took uh, 30 years ago, but it still takes that today. It doesn't really Absolutely. change, right?
2: Absolutely. And I'd argue that it even it requires it even more so now because there are so many elements right there there's so many dimensions to it you know and 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 there's so much it's just much more complicated right the customer journey that you're creating for especially in event experiences is just so much more complex than it was you know even even five years ago.
1: Yeah and many more breakoff points as well right it's easy for people to opt out of an event even when you're onboarding them to the events right so Good. Let me ask you the following question, which is, how do the events that you design become markers of change in your organization over time?
2: That's an interesting one. I, I mean, I think they we end up being great a great marker of change because there's so much importance placed on the events that we do at Microsoft. there There's in the technology industry in general and at Microsoft in specific, the so much of the time, we're making news at those events and they become vehicles for news creation and news propulsion. And so the, these, these events that we do get studied and dissected and measured and, you know, reported on all over the company. Right. And so, you know, and it ends up being kind of, you know, kind of core conversation, right. Today, for example, uh, after we get done, I go to the RSLT, meeting, you know, Satya and his directs, our CEO and his directs run an all-day Friday meeting and he's been doing it ever since he took over as CEO. And then they, you know, they kind of call you to the council and you uh, and but today we're spending an hour on Microsoft Build, this developer conference that's 12 weeks away. And so there's a lot of attention that's paid to these things. And amplified in the last three years because of the pandemic, we have become this kind of customer one. Customer zero of for you know interactive programming and technologies like we really are this kind of spotlight showcase lighthouse example of what's possible Mm -hmm. uh, of the Microsoft technologies for collaboration and kind of group you know meeting creation and so that also ends up being a great marker generator because we're reporting on the new things we're doing. You know, we're we're kind of a living laboratory every show we do. And so that, you know, creates intensity, but it also um, creates this great kind of timeline of development and innovation uh, that's really quite useful for us, not only in terms of being able to drive that innovation, but also kind of being able to, you know, articulate value quite frankly that's because
1: sometimes the I mean the event itself like you say is a new, is a marker because you're making the news you're creating it but also you're propelling it into the marketplace so you see the impact over time uh there's little lighthouses do you think you're I mean the fact that your c-suite spends an hour talking about Microsoft build on this very Friday right now that it's 10 10 hours away how did that initially start that conversation about this edition of Microsoft Build. Do you remember the, like, what was the seed when you first touched Microsoft Build? I don't know how many years ago or maybe, but yeah, yeah. do you remember when the seed was planted in your head or when you heard the event owner say, oh, we should do
2: Microsoft Build or, do you remember that moment? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you look, at what's in, What's interesting is is that maybe six years ago, when I, I took over this job It'll be seven years in October, and um, and when when this role was created, several event teams across the company got, were brought together into one team. Um, and at that time, you know, every product group did its own shows. Every you know, kind of everybody did their own. Everybody did their own thing. You know, kind of classic. You know, some executive put their hand up. We need an event, and so we just went. They just went and did it. And so the idea of bringing this group together and then and elevating it really, you know, because like most events groups, those events teams were well down in the organization, you know, reporting to a marketing manager of some kind, but layers and layers away from kind of the C-suite certainly and the strategic Hmm. level of the company. And so when I came back to Microsoft to do this job, uh, the idea was to put these events teams together and then really rationalize everything we were doing from an events perspective and try and take it to the next level, which is why it moved up to report to the CMO and that kind of thing. And so at that inception, the whole notion was to kind of be audience focused rather than product focused and shift the entire kind of events philosophy here to one that was driven more about the focus much more on our customers and our partners and the audiences we were trying to speak to versus the product group that had something to say or thought they had something to say. And so they were throwing an event. And so that, that evolution kind of really started seven years ago. And, you know, we've been on that journey ever since. And so, that w- so that's what started us kind of thinking about events as flagships that are focused on audiences, Ignite, IT pros, you know, practitioners, build developers, envision business decision makers, the C series, C suite executives focused by role, CEO summit, CIO summit, and then our third party events that are industry focused that we participate in. You know, we we try and pick the preeminent industry event in the world for all the industries we serve. Um, you know, and then and then a whole set of internal events, right? Motivating the sales force, communicating with executive staff, and you know, that kind of thing. And so that was the big kind of evolution. And it's been really effective because it's allowed us to get much crisper in terms of the way we think about the value of the event and the design sensibility is completely audience now driven, which is where it should be anyway. Right. And then it also lets us get much crisper about the way we measure because now we are it allows us to integrate with our kind of digital marketing engine or direct marketing engine, what we call the global demand center, and then reconcile all of that data. So, you know, over the last five years or so, we've taken kind of this order of magnitude leap in terms of really being able to measure an in-person event or a digital event now, you know, in terms of what we've been doing the last three years. Um, so that, that was kind of the kernel and, and and really was the huge kind of big shift in the way we were thinking about experiential marketing. And now it's really, that is evolutionary even as we're kind of moving through these big kind of tidal shifts in the way we do events holistically.
1: I like that. Um, So we have a saying that, you know, show me an organization's event and I'll tell you about their culture, right? Um, By visiting an event or by seeing an event up close, um, you can decode the culture of an organization. For sure. If you would... um, enable the event owner to express their vision Uh, because very often c-level people instead of talking about the event as a purpose it's more a, a culture carrier or something that you know it allows you to see the petri dish over time as to how the the audience changes or the stakeholder changes but also how your own product or organization changes in relation to it right and i like how you said this global demand center and the digital core you would expect that of a company of Microsoft that you have mastered the art after seven years of doing that. And I'm sure there's so many moving parts. Sometimes you'll still be wilder to figure out. God, how they believe me, we haven't any. mastered
2: it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're a long way.
1: <laughs> it's a perpetual quest, no doubt.
2: We're craftspeople, but we're not masters yet. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but the craftsmen at trade, right, or the, the craftsmen in their trade of designing events, um, how do you enable... Because that's the other thing. How do you, how do you connect um, the vision that they've expressed, right, with the um, to the event story? Because that's always that, like, oh, here's my vision, but here's what the event actually does, and there needs mm-hmm. to be a connection between those two directions, right? Almost. Yep. How do you how do you enable that?
2: so part of it i think is you know kind of very eq driven right emotionally based and what i what i mean by that is is again another saying that often gets said in our group which is we can't forget that we're the, even on a bad day when things aren't going well we're the best part of everybody's day right we're the fun part right the show and and <laughs> We're, we're always associated with something that's super important to you if you're the business owner, right? Because if, if the show's getting put on, you're either going up against your competition in a third-party industry event, or you're launching a product, or you're trying to motivate your sales force. And so okay. it's incredibly important. So this idea of we're the fun part is so critical in terms of getting buy-in and getting people to really understand. Because... I think the at least to us and certainly to me, the answer to your question is, is like, you got to get them involved in the process because you can't, you can't just sit and say to somebody, Hey, you don't understand events. Don't do that. This is the way you have to make event work. You got to embrace, you got to embrace what they want to say and then bring them into the process so that they can appreciate the power of what that event is. And then all the while you're demonstrating that your expertise is going to make them feel better, you know, be safer. They're going to look good. You know I mean? It's all, you know, there's all of that stuff comes into play. You know, it's, it's why I often think about events, even with a high degree of technical, you know, kind of, or digital componentry to them. It still feels to me like making theater, right. It's, it's a theatrical experience, right. Mm -hmm. And, even more specifically, it feels to me like making a musical because there's so many kind of different disparate parts and you've got so many people that you've got to get collaborating. And even though many of them don't even understand what the others do, you know what I mean? It's like, and it doesn't matter. They've just all got to come with you on a, this thing. And so this idea of kind of running summer camp, you know, being the fun part of people's day while at the same time you know, having an appreciation and a, and an enthusiasm for their business, right? Not just like, oh, we're going to do this for you because you're a stupid corporate person, you know, which, you know, there are a lot of events, people that kind of engage with their business owners in that way, yeah. remarkably, but it's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's the combination, right? It's really the like, hey, we're let's put on a show, right? In that good old fashioned way. of going like this is what it is and it is going to be fun and you are going to be nervous and all those things are going to be true but it's all going to work out because you know this is what we do every day and you know in that sense i'm an emergency room physician right yes yes your arm is bleeding but it's going to stop and i've seen (laughs) so many other ones before right you know like it's that same kind of thing yeah
1: Yeah. i like that yes your arm is bleeding and it is going to stop (laughs) <laughs> um Dr. Bob Bajan uh, in <laughs> PR for events. Um so I like because you you exude a, a form of enthusiasm and uh energy that I think is contagious when people uh talk to you. Um now people can't see you, you know. We're we're here uh looking at each other from across a pretty large distance, I would say. That's what technology can do for us these days. Um I also realize that um let's say being able to get them involved in the process, like making a musical requires moving a mountain, right? Because, you know, you've got to, you've got to not just audition, but you know, have the script ready and Absolutely. ask the right people. And you've got to, you've got to fill the orchestra pit and you got to make sure that, you know, when the tune is out of sync, people will hear that. Right. And so it has to be rehearsed in some way or other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's probably sheet music that goes, under the whole layer to make sure that it gets scaled over time in the right way. Why do you think it took so long for the events industry to get their act together when it comes to creating sheet music?
2: I think there are a couple of reasons. I I, I think I'll start with the one that's easy first, although it's the one I believe the least in. And that is, is like, Hey, look, historically the events business I think is at the bottom rung of the marketing hierarchy. Right, and so to a certain degree, it kind of was the like the you know stepchild of of marketing, and so it kind of gets forgotten or not thought about, or people are very reductionist about it, and they're like, oh yeah, that's just like food and beverage. Somebody somebody ordered the food and get the catering done, and I'm going to say a few words and that kind of thing. And you know, so that misconception about like well is is part of it. The other part of it, though, I think is is that. I think in the discipline, especially in the before time before that pandemic, I think there was a general laziness in our industry because all you had to do is say to another human being, "Well, you know, there's nothing like human beings getting together. I mean, it's just magic." And right, and like we all just accept that to be true, and because that's such a universal truth. I think it bred laziness in our industry because you could get over because it's like everybody goes well they got to do the event you know they're going to do it either way you know and this way it's going to go and so you know there was this general like oh uh, you know it's like taxes you got to you got to you got to do it so you're yeah. we're going to do it one way or the other and I think what happened over the pandemic certainly for us at Microsoft but is the the ability to now measure and then qualify the you know the impact so pronounced and so, you know, kind of unequivocally has, I think, elevated our, you know, stature and credibility in a way um, that I think has changed the game for us. And so, I mean, I th- but I also think it has, it sends this signal now, you know, to the industry that it's like, okay, you better get your act together because, you know, the the notion of really kind of, scrutiny around the return on investment is real and can be measured. And then I think the other thing that happened in the pandemic is I think senior executives started to realize that, yes, it's true. There are a set of human beings that love to go to events, that love to connect in person, but of any given audience, any given market, it only represents about 30% of your audience. So it's like that notion of events were the be-all and the end-all, you had to do it. I don't think that's a true statement anymore on the other side of the pandemic. You don't have to do it. And in fact, there's a lot of data that says if you do it digitally, you're going to reach a lot bigger percentage of your audience, and it's going to be equally and in some cases more effective than if you did an event. And, and so that's I think that really changes things. So do you also feel that because that's the that's maybe the the business
1: rationale of the global demand center engine that can measure the ones and zeros, right? Mm-hmm. Do you believe that there is also, let's say, from the perspective of the marketing community aspect in your role, uh, you know, are, are managing communities, building communities over time? Um, do you think that's has it lost effectivity over the last? Let's say since since the COVID uh, two year hiatus, so to say, or two and a half year hiatus, has building community become more difficult, or has it had an interruption, or has it become better, or how how do you how do you assess it? Just looking at it, zooming out, big picture.
2: I think for us, I think we feel like we were able to maintain and in some cases build community even during the di- the purely digital period of the pandemic. Yeah. I think coming out of it now and, and, and build will be another big marker in terms of really measuring the truth of what I'm about to say. But I think our sense of it is, is that, yes, there is among that 30 percent, right, the, of that community that really wants to get together in person and be with each other. There is great pent up demand and enthusiasm and great appreciation for us facilitating the ability for them to get to people to get together in person. And that, and that's an important tool, right? I mean, that piece of it will be it will continue to be important, but I think the piece of it for us is, is like, we don't, we do not want to lose the vibrancy that we feel we created in the digital space with regard to community, because I think what we're realizing is, is like, Oh, the relationship is, is if you think of it as like an EKG, if a year is like a heartbeat, the event is the biggest beat, most exciting time, but the continuity of the digital community is so, and the more we can weave that together, I think there's the opportunity, there's so much upside there. It's funny you say that because- um, Exactly. On,
1: uh, page 62 of Design to Change, we've created that heartbeat, but also the, I will happily share the link um, in the, to the podcast because we can only see it in audio or hear it in audio. But I think the heartbeat and what it represents over time for the different yeah. stakeholder groups is really where you know that, that that cadence comes together, right? For some, it's a Absolutely. very long cadence of, how often does build take place? Once a year or is it? Once a year. Once a year. Once a year. Yeah, so that's a cadence of a year where the community gets together, maybe in that physical space or in that focus space, which is the most fun they're having that day or a couple of days of that month, probably. Um, but you've got to find that interference spot, right? A long arc for the for the sea level uh, dis- decision maker to say, yes, we're carrying on with this cadence, and we're making the investment, and we're taking the risk, and we see the reward of doing that, to the people that are then tasked with physically building the roads for people to get to build, right? Um, who work on it hour by hour, minute by minute, day by day, right, um, to kind of build the road together. Uh, and then you've got the people that are, you know, in the global demand center checking out whether the tickers are working in the way they should be. Exactly right. Um, and I like, um, I like how you guys have really codified not just the wording but also um, um, the way that I, I see the enthusiasm. Also, in other videos that I've seen uh, that you you've produced and you appeared in, uh, you can tell that this is in the DNA of how you guys do this um yeah. and that's no small feat for such a large company
2: no it's true and 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 i think it's a, it's a tribute to our most senior management i think it, you know it's a tribute to our ceo who, who really expended an enormous amount of energy you know 8 years ago when he took over to really kind of set a cornerstone of a change in culture and approach and i think in a lot of ways so much of what you see as expressed by our little group inside the company but across the company you know, is a, is that, that kind of coming to fruition, right? And, and the consistency and discipline around that, that approach, failing fast, you know, growth mindset, all of those things really tangibly influencing the way we work. Yeah. And it trickles
1: down in those things people enjoy, which are the events that it produces, right? So <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Um, Bob, we talked about your horizons of change in the beginning. Mm. Would you mind and this is an open invitation, you can say yes or no. Uh, Would you mind if I reach back out to you a year from today and uh, call on you again uh, to see how the horizon of change has progressed over time? Absolutely, that'd be fun. Excellent. That's the kind of cadence we like to create in this podcast to to see, uh, sometimes it feels like change is very slow, but if you look back a year, you go, whoa, we did all of this, right? No, it's
2: (laughs) totally true. And it's also a moment,
1: That you sometimes need to allow yourself you know to celebrate by looking back uh, absolutely and you know share the successful failures and all those things that were real successes uh, because both are i think equally valid but thank you bob for being on the on stage part of it um we're gonna see each other backstage in just a moment thanks for the conversation today so far
0: rude it's a great pleasure thank you This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.